0: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. When you are as big a college football brand as Georgia is, you're going to get a lot of attention. And some of the attention you're going to get is from people who themselves seek attention. I mean, the media landscape around UGA, just from the local standpoint, is gigantic. And obviously, when it comes to you know, the way in which media interacts with Georgia on the national level, that's pretty prolific there as well. It's just good business to be talking Georgia football, talking good about Georgia football, talking bad about Georgia football. You know, this is a fan base that's at least a million strong. And so, therefore, when you're conjuring up chatter about UGA, you're going to get eyeballs for yourself. So it is no surprise after 5-0 and star, where Georgia's currently ranked number two but has an arguable case to be made to be number one, it is no surprise that kind of professional troll-like folks are going to be kind of out there in the woodworks trying to get attention for themselves for the way they talk uh, about UGA. An example of that is Danny Canal Now, listen, you got to understand this. You know, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and one of the things that you understand in pro wrestling is that if you don't have a gimmick, you don't have a job. Like, you got to have a shtick. you got to have a thing that you do. Otherwise, you're just another, you know— Face yapping on the internet, and you just kind of get lost in the shuffle. So, if you're trying to make a name for yourself in this world, whether it be in college football or whatever else, you better have some sort of gimmick. You better have some sort of shtick, some sort of thing that people can know about you. And to Canell's credit, really, the only thing I know about him at all, and I think a lot of people kind of know this well, is oh yeah, that's the SEC hater. That's the now. What's funny is, if <laughs> so you ever listen to, like the CBS podcast, he's on there sometimes. Like, he kind of breaks kayfabe on that show, and it's just like more of a dude talking college football. But the social media, you know, persona, all that kind of stuff, you know, he's clearly the SEC hater. That's kind of the, the thing that he's done. And so there has been this chatter about how Alabama and Georgia have separated themselves from the rest of college football. And I guess Danny, going back to the beginning of the weekend, was like, I'm not really quite so sure that's true, and kind of citing all the whatever, you know, he wanted to cite for that but then came back later on this week to say, well, no, the actual separation is not so much between Alabama and Georgia, the rest of the sport. It may be with Alabama and Georgia itself. Let me show you this on the screen. This is uh, Danny Cannell here. So this is in response to those who had criticized him on Twitter because he had said that – the gap between Alabama, Georgia, the rest of the sport wasn't as great as some people think. And somebody comes back and says, if anything, based on resume, Alabama's number one, and it's not even close. He says the Georgia defense has faced the following, the 117th pass offense, the 84th pass offense, the 88th pass offense, uh, the 95th pass offense, and the 98th pass offense. He says there are also some real tests coming for the dogs, though, with Auburn ranked 57th, Kentucky ranked 86th, and Florida ranked 80th. So here's the thing I'd say about the teams that Georgia has played. I mean, and, and this is why, you know, there's always context required for any kind of statistical analysis that goes on, this included. You are going to have a very low-rated passing offense if you face the Georgia defense for 60 minutes and you're trying to throw the football and you come away with 0.0 yards. Like, like one of the things that hurts the, the ranking offensively for the teams Georgia's played is the fact that those teams have played Georgia. And obviously anybody would understand that. And, you know, one of the things that puts you near the top of – the you know the statistical rankings offense defense everything else is also kind of a function of who you play. So if you go and look at well who's ranked number one who's ranked number two who's ranked number three when it comes to the kind of passing offense stuff that Cannell is citing there, one of the things you're going to see is those teams for the most part are the ones that play in the pillow soft leagues in the in the in the leagues that don't play really any defense whatsoever. That for the most part, on just simply a basis of total passing yards. For the most part, the teams that rank near the top of lists like that are the ones that play in the soft conferences and the leagues that don't play defense all the way around. And furthermore, it's almost not even worth arguing that because Danny Cannell already knows that. Like, I'm not going to make a big deal about what Connell says here, but I am going to say this. This is a little bit of a repeat of what I said yesterday, but I believe it's that important that when you look ahead to the rest of the season for Georgia, I I, I do think there's a a pretty strong portion of Georgia fans who want to say, I don't care what people are saying, you just got to go win games in the field. And I know that seems like it would be true. And and to a certain extent, it kind of is true, right? But what's not fully true is as long as Georgia wins its games, everything's going to take care of, you know, everything's going to take care of itself and Georgia will be exactly where it needs to be. That's the way that most sports work. But that's not the way that college football works. And this is an important thing to to mention here, and it's a somewhat annoying, irritating thing, but it's true nonetheless. That in college football, the argument is part of the sport. If you go back and look at the college football playoff, we've had this thing since 2014. What is that, six total years of college football playoffs? You can make a case that over the course of those six years, if I'm doing that correctly, um, you can make a case that over the course of that time, At least two of the national champions in the college football playoff era were national champions that had to argue their way into the playoff, that without winning an argument, Ohio State would not have won the national championship in 2014. That was the first college football playoff. And without winning an argument, Alabama would not have won the national championship in 2017, the year that Georgia made the college football playoff. In at least two instances in the playoff era, we have seen national champions that had to argue and debate their way into the playoff. In 2014, it was Ohio State in the comparison between Baylor and TCU. Ultimately, the Big, Ch- the Big Ten champ kind of won that argument and emerged there in the college football playoff. In 2017, it was Alabama arguing for itself against Ohio State. Remember the way that Kirk Herbstreet walked off the set that day on the ESPN uh, telecast when the college football playoff was announced? I think some people thought he was mad that his alma mater didn't make the playoff. I think in reality, Herbstreet was just surprised because he assumed Ohio State would get the nod over Alabama. It was that shocking to him that Alabama got that spot. But arguing your way into the playoff was ultimately something that had to be done. And I think for Georgia this upcoming season, the same thing's true. That 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 if you're a Georgia fan and you want to see Georgia win the national championship, part of what goes on here is not just Georgia being dominant on Saturdays, although that needs to continue, but also coming up with rhetoric and discussion points and data points that argue against anyone who wants to make the case against Georgia that's just going to be part of this discussion. And as I said yesterday, to me, the thing that's interesting is not how Georgia compares to Alabama. If Cannell wants to say, yeah, right now Alabama's ahead of Georgia, my response, that would be, okay, fine, then just let that be the case. Even though I've told you before that if I had a vote, I'd probably give my number one vote to to UGA. The honest truth is, as a partisan, someone who wants Georgia to be number one at the end of the season I'm sort of okay with the idea that Georgia might rank behind Alabama right now, and it's not just because of rat poison and things like that. It's just that I remember back in 2015 when Alabama came to Athens. Remember that final year of the Mark Richt era? Georgia was actually a point spread favored against Alabama that day. It had been a long streak of Alabama being favored in all of its games. I forget how long the streak was, but Alabama had been favored forever. Georgia was favored that day, and given the recent accomplishments of the two teams, I mean, doesn't that seem just a little bit hollow to make Georgia a favorite against Alabama when Bama had been in the playoff the year before, had won two national championships among the four you know previous years, back-to-back in 11 and 12, and suddenly Georgia's a favorite in 2015 there in Athens against the Crimson Tide. It, it seemed like a little bit of a hollow level of praise for UGA. The result was obviously lopsided in Alabama's favor. So, if you want to kind of have the same kind of conversation going on right now, given the fact that in recent years Alabama has accomplished so much more than Georgia has, then fine. Let them be the favorite. You know, let them be number one. Let them be the favorite. Let them be the one that kind of, you know, you know, that that has all that cachet of being the reigning national champions to be the team there on the top of, of college football. Let Georgia be behind Alabama. I've got no big deal with that. But what matters to me, though, is not how you compare Georgia to Alabama. It's how you compare Georgia to the rest of college football. That's the thing that's really, really important. And right now, there seems to be, regardless of what Canell says, there seems to be this belief that, hey, the gap between those two best teams, Georgia and Alabama, and everybody else in college football, including the potential Big Ten champ, the potential Big 12 champ, everybody else in college football, the gap between Georgia and Alabama and the rest is is is, chasm, is a chasm right now. It's very, very large. And I would say that's a conversation that for Georgia fans is worth amplifying because one thing you may have to do the way that Alabama did in 2017 is you may be in an eventual spot where you have to argue for yourself as a second SEC team. Or maybe if you win the SEC championship, you may have to argue for yourself making the playoff and leaving Alabama out, not trying to beat them again for a second time. But one way or another, the argument that's going to be ongoing around Georgia is a very important part of this, not as important as what happens on the field, but not the kind of thing that you can ignore. Uh, We're going to have playoff rankings coming out next week. We're going to have a big debate about this each and every week for the next however many months after that. And you better believe that argument is going to matter because at a certain point, some of the pundits, the ESPN people are going to try to forget what's being said right now. They want to leave for themselves the wiggle room to include two SEC teams or not, depending on what suits them at the time. And what we want to do around here is remember what's being said at this point in time. We want to keep these receipts. And as Georgia continues to have impressive performances, like the, the like of which it's been doing over the course of the first five games, we want to make that a part of the discussion because. If you're really trying to make the case for Georgia right now, and one of the reasons why it has been so impressive, I think one of the things that you have to acknowledge here is that Georgia is doing this with nowhere near the full complement of players that we thought would be available to the Bulldogs when the season began. And there was a lot of doom and gloom from Georgia fans, and I'm not mocking Georgia fans for feeling that way, I'm just pointing out how serious the Darnell Washington, the jacks Jackson, the Dominic Blaylock, don't even mention George Pickens because by the time the season got here, his spring injury had, for the most part, been reconciled by, by Georgia fans. But all of these injuries kind of pile up to the point where the Georgia fan wondered, is my team's national champion hopes now just put on thin ice before the season even begins. But look how Georgia is playing without the guys that we thought would be available here to UGA thus far this season. In fact, Kirby Smart last night put it in very simple terms about just how banged up Georgia is. In his mind, it's almost a historical level of injury right now, this Kirby from last night.
1: We're still banged up and beat up, uh, probably as we've been. I don't know. I feel like as much as since I've been here. I mean, I don't remember having this many guys injured at once uh, since I've been here. But um, the guys worked hard, and they're, they're, they're buying into the plan and uh, executing
0: it. I mean, just say that out loud right now, what Kirby Smart in so many words just said. We've never been more banged up since I've been here, yet concurrent to that, we've probably never been playing better when we played through these first five games. That's what Smart in so many words said. Never been more injured, never been more effective on the field. That is why Georgia – has a gap between itself, whoever the third best team is, whoever the fourth best team is, whoever the fifth best team is, whoever the rest of the SEC is, the rest of the top 10 is, the reason why there is such a large gap between Georgia and the rest of them right now is because what Smart just said. That they are shaking off injuries, including the starting quarterback, by the way, in a top 10 matchup this past Saturday. They are shaking off injuries and not skipping a beat on the field. That's got to be part of the resume for Georgia. And if you want to make the case for a Georgia playoff berth, regardless of what happens in the eventual SEC championship, the way in which Georgia is playing while it's injured has to be a part of that. And there's also the possibility at some point in time, some of these injured guys come back and... The possibility that georgia starts playing even better now on that note smart gave you a little bit of a hopeful tone yesterday on guys like marcus rosby jackson dominic blaylock here's jackson not quite sure what to make of all of this but there's at least the possibility that these guys could be back a part of this georgia offense again soon maybe even saturday here's kirby on that
1: yeah, we have a chance on all three uh they were both out there running today Hitting 18, 19 miles an hour, so they weren't going full speed, but they were they were moving around. Um, Rosemary's probably got the best chance, uh, and each one of them got a chance to to make it back. But you know they're not they're not taking a lot of reps. It's, they're hitting walk through reps, in the middle part of the game, and then uh, going to see if they can clear. You know by Thursday or Friday.
0: As I said before the argument for Georgia right now not in comparison to Alabama but in comparison to everybody else is how well it's playing regardless of its injuries how well it's withstanding the injuries that have occurred it's a fun thing for Georgia fans to consider that at some point in time some of the guys that smart just mentioned are going to be healthier a guy in Darnell Washington who we saw some last week now he's maybe ready to make a big a bigger contribution the argument's going to be the argument's going to matter Georgia as a playoff team Georgia as as, as a clear dominant team, the likes of which no other conference in college football right now is producing, only Alabama, uh, a team even worth making that comparison to. That argument's going to be a part of the discussion for the rest of the season. And how well Georgia is playing, despite the fact that it's more banged up than maybe it's ever been under Kirby Smart, That's going to be a big data point in that discussion. Georgia deserves credit for its 5-0 and start. Not everybody's going to want to give it to them, but around here, we're going to make sure we keep those receipts and show people just how true it really is. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. It is so good to have you with us here today. No matter how you get to us live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start at 9.45 in our first and 15. That's on the Dog Nation homepage and the Dog Nation app. Great chance to have a great discussion there with all of you. Of course, we love being with our friends on the radio and then Sports Radio 960, the ref. That's always a nice thing to be able to do there as well. Just really, really good to have all of you with us for everything that's uh, going on here today. And uh, just a really uh, a fun show. Podcast platform, all those podcast platforms, everything else there as well. Just a, a great conversation all the way around. The conversation is going to continue here coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to bring on Mike Griffith. We'll do a, a practice report with him brought to you by the Georgia Farm Bureau. And with Mike, we'll get heavily into everything that's going on with those injuries, who's coming back, when they're going to be back, and kind of what you can expect from Georgia Auburn on Saturday. I also kind of want to, when we have Mike on the show here in a little bit, I also kind of want to try to talk about this game on Saturday beyond just the who's healthy and who's not. What's Georgia doing at quarterback? Because, I mean, I think there's a lot that's going to happen from an interesting standpoint between Georgia and Auburn beyond just all of that. And, you know, you can different people are going to have different opinions about what happened for Auburn last Saturday against LSU. The fact of the matter is they went into a tough road environment. They won the game. Auburn hadn't done that since 1999. And so now you say, well, maybe the near miss against Georgia State wasn't quite so important there. You know, maybe the the real story of who this Auburn team is a team capable of winning at LSU, even in an imperfect version of the, of, of the Baton Rouge version of the Tigers, and a team that at least, you know, gave it a game effort uh, at Penn State, and if not for some questionable call, you know, uh, coaching decisions, may have had a chance to keep the Penn State game even closer than it otherwise was. So I think we're in the portion of, the week looking ahead to this week's opponent Auburn we're still trying to figure out exactly how good Auburn is so we'll let Mike Griffith help us do that here coming up in just a moment before that though let's do talk more quarterback here right now and let's go around the doghouse furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go and I think that you look back over the course of the last few weeks there is this kind of frustration that sometimes mounts of ah Kirby Smart's always playing games with his quarterbacks ah Kirby Smart's always playing semantic games when it comes to describing his injuries, you know, Kirby Smart works too hard to conceal certain things and it leaves, you know, certain fans feeling frustrated. We hear that from time to time. Well, if that's ever been true before, I think you can say now with the way that JT Daniels is currently being handled. I don't quite think that's quite so true anymore that Daniels with the audio we played you yesterday, going back to Monday's press conference, pretty forthright in what Daniels was going to do during practice and kind of how healthy he is with the what's going on here. And then once again yesterday, I asked a direct question about you know how does how does uh, Daniels compare to what maybe Dak Prescott's been through or maybe what other guys from other sports such as like baseball pitchers where these kind of muscle I- injuries can impact your ability to deliver a baseball. Smart being asked some direct questions about this yesterday once again gave you a pretty direct answer that we may have been clouded in mystery about Daniels last week. But that's not the case anymore. So Smart, to his credit, bringing us all kind of on the inside, at least the best that I can tell, for what's going on with JT Daniels right now. So let's make that a part of Around the Doghouse here, furnished by Rooms to Go, Kirby talking Daniels and his health, kind of where that is here at the moment.
1: My first question was, Ron is, is he going to aggravate it and hurt it worse right. by doing anything? And, and he said, basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a muscle injury. So anything that bothers it, you don't want to do. But anything that doesn't bother it, you want to continue to do. So he's able today to go out and do some soft toss that didn't bother it. Um, and that's that's the same protocol he did with Dak. You know, it was not a complete shutdown. There's exercises he can do in our training room that are bands and throwing motions and things that are not, uh, they don't hurt him. They don't bother him. Um, and as long as it doesn't bother him, then we feel like we're getting improvement, gradual improvement. Uh, and that's the key. Because the last thing I want to do is push the envelope re-injure go back then a constant cycle of that so we're, we're not trying to finesse it in the point that hey we throw him out there we're trying to get him to do what he can without getting injured and i'm not the expert at that i can assure you i do listen to what ron says and we also consult with other people
0: so i think that's pretty interesting from smart and it seems to be an echo of something we've kind of said on this show for the last couple of days which is Hey, if the only thing that's going to help with this is rest, then just give him the rest. Like don't go through the paces of even pretending like he's going to be the starting quarterback on Saturday against Auburn. You know, get him the rest that he can get right now in the hopes that at some point in time he is healthier later on uh this season than he is right now. That anything you can do to reduce the the volume of this conversation as the as the season goes along is probably worth doing. And so from that standpoint, it almost sounds like that's what Kirby Smart's doing. I'm gonna be careful not to try to read too much into it, but it certainly sounds like they are being very careful right now. Which to me just kind of seems like the 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 right thing to be doing here. The other thing is when you think about Stetson Bennett on Saturday, presuming he is the starting quarterback, and just for the sake of conversation, we're gonna presume that here for the moment. You know, just given the Auburn personnel that exists, my guess is is it's probably a little bit different kind of offensive game plan for Georgia on the road at Auburn than it was this past Saturday against Arkansas. That I think that Georgia had reason to feel good enough against Arkansas, even though I believe that Arkansas is probably a better team than Auburn. I think Auburn's defensive personnel may be better than what Arkansas brings to the table. So suddenly, being as careful offensively as you were last week, maybe that doesn't work against Auburn on Saturday. Maybe you are asking Stetson Bennett to make some bigger throws. And so as the week goes on here, that's one of the things we'll talk more about is what happens when the when the ball is in Bennett's hand and the requirement is made for Bennett to make the kind of pressure throw that SEC quarterbacks are asked to make. He made some of those for you back in 2020. You probably don't win the Arkansas game without him. His numbers against Auburn at home last year were stellar. I thought his performance against Tennessee was really strong there as well. But one of the things that makes Bennett Bennett is, in addition to the big throws that he connects on, he has, you know, made the bad throw. He has made the interception. He is one of those guys that is not afraid to put the ball in harm's way, and sometimes that leads to the turnover. So you've got to deal with that risk on the one side, But the other side of that, the potential conservative game plan doesn't come without risk either because on that side of the coin, maybe you're playing more conservative, which leads to less points scored, which leads to a situation where the game is maybe closer later. All of a sudden, a Georgia mistake or an Auburn explosive play. All of a sudden, now that narrows the gap even more and suddenly you're playing for a full 60 minutes. Suddenly, any other mistake is magnified that much to a greater degree. So how Todd Munkin handles Stetson Bennett, if Bennett truly is the starting quarterback on Saturday, is going to be crucial. And then as Smart alluded to there a moment ago, the long-range projection for Daniels is crucial there as well. The rest that he's getting right now, especially if it leads to him missing Saturday's game, which I think there's a really good chance is the case. If is the rest that he's getting now going to make him healthier for a stretch run for the Dogs end of October, into November, boy, that's going to be a very important topic to continue to address as this season for Georgia progresses and as this week progresses there as well. It's around the doghouse. It's furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And obviously, one of the things that makes you feel great about the place you live is when you look around, you see good-looking furniture, right? It just makes you feel more comfortable, more at home, to love the way your home is furnished. That's one of the things that Rooms to Go can do for you. I'm talking about individual pieces of furniture, but also the thing that Rooms to Go is famous for, there's a reason why their name is Rooms to Go, is they can furnish the entire room for you there as well indoor and outdoor patio furniture living rooms uh bedrooms also stuff for kids there too a dining room you know really kind of whatever you need you can get that at rooms to go you can stop by and see one of their showrooms today sit on the furniture feel it find out how comfortable it's going to be for you or you can start your shopping experience online there as well the the, the word to to rooms to go uh, dot com. you can get an individual piece of furniture you can get the entire room it may just be an accent piece that you need sometimes that's like that one final thing that kind of just pulls it all together uh rooms to go understands all of that and they got a great variety of it all as well so check out rooms to go online rooms 2 go.com stop by and see them in showroom today furnishing around the doghouse for you here on dog nation daily all right we have got a lot to do dogs in auburn deep south's oldest rivalry a historic one big stakes on the line for georgia on saturday a little bit of a curious opponent given what the tigers did last saturday on the road at lsu let's figure it all out including an update on what's happened at practice it's a georgia farm bureau practice report with mike griffith here today on dog nation daily <laughs> Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider all right we'll say hello to Mike Griffith who was really all over the uh, Daniels injury situation last week we'll give him a lot of credit for being that way uh really on top of all of that and now Mike we turn our page here to uh, Auburn here this upcoming week uh you know presuming sometimes can be dangerous but I'm left to presume that Stetson Bennett is going to be the guy for Georgia on Saturday based on the things that Smart has said this week. Is that a safe presumption in your mind?
2: Yeah, I don't know what's safe. I mean, you know, Kirby's so wishy-washy with this and so many mixed messages. Uh, Stetson Bennett tells us he knew he'd be the starter on Monday. Kirby tells us it was a game-time decision. I don't know who's lying. It doesn't matter. Um, Bottom line is it's fluid. And when JT feels 100%, I think they'll turn him loose. But uh, you know, he wasn't throwing the ball on Monday. I uh, didn't get a, a, a status report from Tuesday. Well, I'm sure we'll ask Kirby about that uh, on this SEC teleconference here in about an hour. But I, I think it comes down to a game time decision. I really do. And if, if you have any doubt at all, I don't know why you play JT. Be, because let's be honest, you've got Kentucky and Florida. The next two weeks pretty much will decide the, the SEC East uh, division and Stetson is playing well enough, and you're running the ball effectively against a team that, you know, has had some struggles on their offensive line. I mean, I don't know how Auburn's going to score. I, I know they've yeah. got home field, but they—they they, their offensive line has issues, B.A. That's not good
0: no, for I'm, Auburn. Yeah, I know you're 100% right about that. Let me go back, though, to a couple things that you said there for a moment, and – I mean, you're certainly right when you say maybe mixed messages about when Bennett knew and, you know, what he knew. It almost sounds like a political conversation. What did you know and when did you know it? Uh, But maybe some mixed messages on that. But one of the things I said a moment ago before you joined us is, for the Georgia fan who maybe doesn't really feel like he or she's been kind of invited on the inside to know the nature of some of these injuries, when you listen to how specific smart has been about Daniels the last couple of days, boy, I mean, the best that I can tell to my ears, it sounds like smarts being pretty forthright about exactly what Daniels is dealing with the nature of the injury, how severe that it is. I mean, um, as far as like describing the specific injury, I mean, I would say that smart the last couple of days has been pretty candid. Do you, uh, do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, because I don't think a lot of people know what a lat injury is. You know, I, th- I think people are just going, Oh, you know, the guy's just a little and He's like, no, this is, this is what it is. This is how it works. I mean, this is the issue. And, and here's the treatment, and, and here's why he's not playing more, because I think you know something you said a few weeks ago, Brandon, and and I think you were right. I think it did I think it started to become a distraction, and and I think the way you know because it was masked or hidden, I think a lot of us didn't understand why there was a, a quarterback rotation, and we didn't understand why you'd pull a quarterback after one quarter. You can say thirty five to zero, but the reality is, is J T needs work with these receivers. I mean, he's only played uh, you know, four games last year and half the passes went to George Pickens. So how much game action does he really have with this current receiving core? And the answer is not much. I mean, J.T. Daniels has played nine of the 20 quarters this year. He hasn't even played half of this season. So you want to play the guy. You want to get him rolling. You want him playing well. But the luxury that you have is that you don't need him to win. I mean, that doesn't take anything away from J.T. I, I think we all thought, that, you know, we were going to see this high flying, high scoring offense, and, and we've seen glimpses of that. When JT is out there, uh, I mean, he's flying the jet, right? But, but this is a, it's a 30 mile flight. You don't need the jet. You can get away with the propeller, Stetson Bennett. And, and a great defense. So is it good enough to, could Stetson beat Alabama? I don't know. I don't think he has to. But I think by, you want to make sure, that's why you want to make sure That JT is 100%. I like the strategy of saying, hey, let's not keep playing the guy, re-injuring it, nursing it along. Let's get the guy better. And then once he's better, he's 100, and, and you can beat Alabama and could win the national championship with JT Daniels
0: couple more things on this topic. I think you're right, and this is something I've also on my own shows talked about a lot, which is that the best of JT Daniels is not just being healthy, if you want to use the Alabama example. It's not just being healthy for Alabama. It's being healthy prior to that so that you're in rhythm with these guys going into that game. You may say the same thing about Florida as well, although Florida is a weight class certainly below what Alabama is, but the best of Daniels in the biggest games is not just being healthy for that game. It's being healthy prior to that game so that you're working with these guys. And I think that also includes practice there too, Mike. One of the things that I pulled out yesterday, and we talked about in our show, was that when Smart talked about Tyke Smith, I believe going back to Monday, he said, "Hey, you know, if you're not going to practice, you're not going to play." And what I said on the show was, "I don't believe that's a punitive statement. I don't believe that's, oh, you didn't practice, so therefore we're going to punish you by not letting you play the game on Saturday." I believe that's just a matter of fact statement of. A good player is rendered less effective if he's not able to practice in the game plan against the elite competition on the other side of the field. Um, A good player is rendered ineffective if he's not able to practice. So when it comes to what J T. Daniels is able to do, I'm assuming that what Smart said about Tyke Smith is probably also true about J T. Daniels there as well. That you know when you think about these early week practices, we've already always heard about Bloody Tuesday and how important these Tuesday practices are. That if you're not able to practice with your offense in that spot against the Georgia defense, then maybe that's the indication that Daniels is just not ready to play on Saturday. This isn't a 32-year-old guy in the NFL who can miss practice and be fine. This is still a college quarterback that what Daniels is doing during practice is really what's going to determine how much he plays, if at all, when it comes to on Saturday. What would you say about that?
2: Yeah, I I think there's validity to that to an extent. Um, I I think he's special, Brandon, and, and I've said it you know, I, I think that, uh, from a cerebral standpoint, I, I think we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a 1% of the 1% here when it comes to collegiate quarterbacks and the cerebral nature of JT Daniels. I mean, he's, he's, he's on, he's on a level with Peyton Manning when it comes to this, his understanding of the game. Now, he's not, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a five-time NFL MVP. I don't even know if he's going to be starting quarterback in the NFL. I have questions about his size a little bit, but, uh, his arm is, is fantastic. He's got great arm talent. He makes all the throws. But where I agree with you is from the timing perspective of working with the different receivers. I mean, muscle memory is what it is. And although JT worked a ton with these receivers in the summer, you know there is something to be said for being out there, you know, making those throws. I mean, anybody that's played basketball knows that, right? Yeah. You Play pickup basketball, you kind of get your shot down. Yep. You know, you take a little bit of time off from the Y. You go back and your three pointers hit in the front of the rim all of a sudden, right? You got to make those adjustments, but You know, because of who and what JT is mentally, I I think that, you know, he's got such an understanding of the game that I I don't think it's as important for him as probably 99.9% of the other quarterbacks, but to be at his peak efficiency, there's no doubt he needs those reps, and he wants to play there's this part of them that wants to play. Oh, I mean, sure. we look at it like, oh, yeah, put him in bubble wrap, pull him out when it's time to win. Look, the guy—the reason the guy plays the game is because he loves the game. Yeah. It's like you, Brandon. We could try to give you a week off. That's right. And you're going to find a microphone somewhere to talk to. No, that's right. Because you do what you love. It's a passion. And, and so it hurts JT not to be able to throw those passes and, and be in the moment. I mean, how many of these players in the NFL we see, they, they retire. They don't know what to do with themselves. Why does Nick Saban not retire? Because he doesn't know what to do. So so the point is, J.P. wants to be on the field. You know, he he does. You know, he wants to be quarterback in this team. He wants to be leading. He wants to be carving a legacy. I mean, you know, right now, like I said, he hasn't even played half the games. He's that's right. got the number four QB rating in the country, but you don't know it because he doesn't qualify. He's not going to get any award. Not that that's why he plays the game, but – you know, let's face it. Competitors like to compete, so the hard part of this for JT is not being able to be out there. But he has to do what's best for the team. And if the team says, "Look, you may be ninety-five percent, but we really need you to be a hundred because we can't afford for you to re-injure this." Couple because quick. This is the year. Yeah, couple. I mean, it's happening. Make your reservations in Indianapolis. Well, along we're just playing in the national title game.
0: Sorry for cutting you off, but along those lines so that this season has the potential of being 10 more games for Georgia. You're not a medical professional. I'm not either, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Do you think there's a chance that we're no longer talking about this if Georgia plays 10 more games, that whether it's late November or in December, is there a chance this can be overcome, or do you get the sense that muscular stuff for Daniels, whether it be lat, whether it be oblique, whether it be whatever, that a muscular-type injury is the kind of thing that's just going to linger for him for the rest of the season?
2: I think he'll be over it. I really do. I think once it's behind him, it's behind him, and I think that's why they're treating it this way.
0: So you think a couple of weeks here can make – once again, I mean, like, I'm just not smart enough to know. You think a couple of weeks here then could make the difference, and lo and behold, it's just not a storyline by – whatever date you want to look to on the calendar. As I said before, Georgia could play 10 more games this year. You think by the time you get late in the season, maybe no one's no no one's given reason to talk about this anymore then.
2: Yeah, I absolutely think okay. that. I mean I don't hear anybody talking about Dak Prescott anymore.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's 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 good to know. One more thing on quarterback. Look, I thought Stetson Minute last year did some nice things for Georgia. In fact I I defended Bennett a lot against a, a, a lot of criticism. And I think that, that that when you think about what he can do on Saturday, some of the things he did a year ago kind of come to mind here. But here's also the thing, Mike, and I know you know this. Like, Bennett, his personality on the field is just different than what I think a lot of people assume that it probably would be. When they hear the story of a guy who's overcome the odds to even be in this spot – I think they assume that must mean he's game manager. That must mean he's careful with the football, coach on the field. That must be why Kirby Smart likes him because he know he's not going to make mistakes. But the truth is Bennett sees himself as Baker Mayfield. He sees himself as, you know, Kyler Murray. He sees himself as like swashbuckling quarterback who's going to go out there and, you know, put the team on his back. And by the way, you get the good from that when he does make a big throw and he's made some. But you also get the other part of that. You know, the thing that makes Bennett Bennett, which is a backup and not the not the true starter that JT Daniels is, is Stetson's not super careful with the football sometimes. And so how Todd Munkin handles Bennett on Saturday, because I don't think you can be as conservative against Auburn and win comfortably as you were able to be against Arkansas this past week for a multitude of reasons. I think you're going to have to ask Bennett to make some bigger throws if he starts this game on Saturday and if he's the guy that plays. I think you're going to have to ask him to make some bigger throws. And that brings all kinds of drama with it because, you know, let's face it, we've seen a little bit of both when it comes to Stetson and his time in Georgia.
2: I, I think that I think some of your points are fair. Uh, and and you're right. I was one of the critics last year. I, I thought he was a lousy quarterback by SEC standards this year. He's, he's improved. His release is quicker. He's got more arc on his deep ball. He's got a much better understanding. I think he's got better timing. And yet, I think what you're saying is true you know I, I think he's pretty human with football now he still has a a pass efficiency rating that would rank number two in the NCAA if he had enough attempts you know thank you u a b and your your trashy low budget game plan but i I think you're right i mean you know if, if Stetson gets pressed it's, it, but but the the thing of it is is and this is so true the weapons that he has around him i mean now that darnell Washington is back, now that ladd McConkey has emerged. Now that, uh, you know, Brock Bowers is, is being Brock Bowers, I, I still think the running back rotation is lacking, although I've been really impressed with James Cook of late. Uh, Zamir had a nice run as well. He's still, still no home run runs of over 24 yards, right? Still don't like that, but they're still one of the most efficient offenses in the country. You know, the offensive line, I, I guess what I'm saying, Brandon, is I think he can get away with being a game manager. And, and to your point, you know, I do think he, he has made some, some throws downfield. I think Kirk Herbstreit referenced that that sometimes that can, can force some things. He you know, not many do have the, the field vision that, that JT has. But um, I, I know where you're going with this. I, I just think that George is too good around him. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think you need a quarterback, I think you need a trigger to win a national title. But but this Georgia team and, and part of it is it's not even that George is that good. I've been throwing this theory out there. I think the rest of the SEC in college football just looks down. It just doesn't look as good. I mean, there's just not another team out there. You go, oh, wow, those guys look dangerous. Yeah. I mean, it's like all the great quarterbacks moved on. And it, and it's just this wasteland. It's like Ohio State? What? You know, Oregon? Nah. You know, even Alabama looks susceptible all of a sudden. None. Nobody else in the SEC really I don't even think can anybody else even stay within two touchdowns of Georgia. I don't think so, yeah, because they're so good defensively and offensively. They've they've got all these, you know, you know, toys around the quarterback, and Munkin does such a good job. So I just can't stir up any drama or concern for this game. I just can't. I don't even think it's going to be close.
0: Well, I want to talk to you more about the game here in a moment. Let me remind folks. It's our Georgia Farm Bureau practice report with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And of course, one of the things that Georgia Farm Bureau knows is how important dependable vehicles are to the people that are listening to us, watching us right now, because they're trying to get to work. They got things to do. And when you think about dependable vehicles, you also want to think about a dependable auto insurance provider there as well. Someone who keeps its promises to you. And that's what Georgia Farm Bureau has been doing for Georgians since 1959. It's Uh, dependable service. I'm talking about friendly claims agents. A lot of of this is kind of locally based. Uh, A lot of folks who can kind of walk you through the entire auto insurance process, make sure you're well taken care of. If something happens to the vehicle that you depend on, that's why we love recommending Georgia Farm Bureau here uh, on Dog Nation Daily with Mike Griffith each and every week. You can find out more at gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. Uh, you can find out more about that and find out how Georgia Farm Bureau has been keeping its promises to its members for decades and decades and many more decades to come. All right, Mike, let me, because uh, I've kept you long here, let me kind of combine a couple of topics here into one. So when you think about Saturday, Smart did kind of allude to the possibility that some injured receivers are, are, are coming back in the mix. I don't know how much to really expect against Auburn on Saturday from that regard? But obviously, that's a that's a hopeful tone. Georgia fans have been hoping to hear that. You kind of touched on this a moment ago, but beyond that, the non injury storylines for Georgia and Auburn. You know, kind of touch on both those topics here for a moment, then we'll get ready to let you go.
2: Yeah, I'll go with non injury first. I, there's some confusion in the messages. Some Phillip guys saying I'm saying Stetson should start over JT. I, I don't know how anybody could get that. That's not what I'm saying at all. JT Daniels is the starting quarterback. I don't think anybody with with a brain would would suggest that Stetson is better than JT. So when when people misquote you and misrepresent it, it angers me because we all share our thoughts on here and you know, it's disappointing when people don't understand concepts. Now, the one of the non-storylines that I do think is pretty fascinating is that Stetson Bennett uh is the two and not Carson Beck. Remember the offseason all we talked about was Beck being the two and my goodness, if you even go back to the G-Day game, I thought Beck was so much better. You know, I said, oh, my gosh, here he is. Look, he's ready to go. And, and we even talked that if, if JT missed the UAB game and Carson Beck played, that what if Carson Beck played so good? There was a kind well, boy, have we come a long way because Carson Beck went out there and stunk it up. He looked awful. He threw a pick six, and he didn't even run after the guy. And then the last time, it, it was also, t- he didn't even get in the 37-0 to game which made me go, wow, they didn't even trust him to go in the fourth quarter because the game before he goes in the fourth quarter, and they have like three motion penalties inside the 10-yard line. So to me, one of the off-injury the off stories is whatever happened to Carson Beck and where is he going to be after the season because he doesn't look like part of the plan right now. So to me, that's one of the major, major, major non-injury story sidebars. The other one, and Kirby brought this up, and I know I said I didn't see any drama, and I really don't. But you take a look at – this is Georgia's first true road game since Auburn in 2019. I mean, that's amazing when you yep. think about it. You can say, oh, well, what about Bandy?" No, not Bandy. Bowl game, uh-uh. Right. Last year, COVID, limited crowds. Right. So my question is, will Georgia be affected in, in some way, shape, or form? Because Florida was very affected at Kentucky. I think Kentucky was affected at South Carolina. I think Alabama was affected at Florida. So just how well will Stetson or JT or whoever's under center, how well will they handle that first real road test? That's more of a curiosity to me. But the best thing is that that to me is kind of the elephant in the room now. Whatever happened to this guy and and is this guy going to be around? Because I can't imagine that he's real happy with his role right now five games into the
0: season. Quick final point before we let you go on the idea of the crowd. I, I do think that's a thing. And it's one of those deals, Mike, I remember being there in 2019 and it's like, and Georgia has the two touchdown lead. Jordan Harrison was quiet as a mouse. Then suddenly something happens. All of a sudden the fourth quarter, that place is rocking and rolling. And all of a sudden the entire mood of the game felt different once the Auburn crowd got involved. I think on Saturday, I mean you know, I'm like you for the most part. I think that Georgia's in good shape no matter what. But I hope that's true from the word go because I do think you can keep this Auburn crowd out of the game because I think they're so ready to turn on their own here. I don't think the LSU game changes that much, but the overall outlook that Auburn fans have for their team, they are more than happy to leave early if you give them a reason to. But they're also front runners, and they'll you know, kind of jump on board with their team if they're given a chance to do that there as well. So to me, even in a game where I don't expect to be all that close, as a fan, I'm still sort of hopeful that Georgia gets off to the early start.
2: Oh no question, and, and they have, and you do. You you, you want to put Auburn away quickly because you're right. You know, Jordan Hare Stadium to me is one of the best home field advantages in the Southeastern Conference. Every year, it's one of the top two or three. They just seem to get calls. Things seem to get crazy there. Fans that are raucous and loud. Now, right now, Sanford Stadium leads the way. I mean, poor Arkansas couldn't even get snap off. I mean, that game was over before it started. I mean, Sam Pittman's got to be thinking, what the hell? My guys can't get the snap off. I'm getting blocked punts. I mean, Georgia, the fans, just that home field campus environment just took over. I mean, Kirby called the dog fans out, and they just sicked them, right? I just, I, you know, Auburn will do that if they get the chance, but I just don't think Auburn can generate anything offensively. And remember, two years ago, Brandon, I, I want to say, wasn't it like 21-0, to zero? Going into the fourth quarter, yeah. I mean, they, they had zero life. I mean, Jake Prom went over the top to Blaylock for seven and it just zapped the crowd. And Monty Rice and that defense just kept those guys pinned down. Uh, remember that 2019 defense when we're talking about great defenses? Those guys didn't allow a rushing touchdown until that Auburn game when Nick slipped into the end zone. And that was like the ninth game of the season, I want to say in November. So I just, I just think that, that there's just too much Georgia. Uh, I do want to see how they handle the crowd noise. Um, that to me is going to be pretty interesting. It's an exciting sidebar. I think Darnell Washington is a guy that I can't wait to see more of. I mean, he's just so. I was at practice Monday, and I mean, the guy is just such a giant and moves so well. He, he, you know, it's like if Ben Cleveland was a receiver, right? I mean, he's just. So I can't wait to see this guy get involved. Uh, and, and I'm hoping to see a running back have a breakout game. I don't know which one. Um, but just somebody go for a you know, break a run longer than 24 yards. This could be the game that happens. And, um, I got a feeling we're going to see both the Auburn quarterbacks too.
0: Uh, yeah, boy, I, I think you may be right about that. It would not surprise me at all to see them try to throw that curveball, Mike, good stuff. Thanks for being here for a practice report presented by Georgia Farm Bureau. I know you've got a lot coming up at dognation.com the days ahead. We'll look forward to reading that and we'll get ready for a big one on the planes on Saturday. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it, B let's take a look around the rest of the league this is SEC through all right very interesting stuff from uh, Mike Griffith getting ready for Georgia Auburn on Saturday and yeah I mean for the most part I think I said this yesterday that sometimes college football is more complicated than it seems other times it's just as simple as it appears and Auburn has some issues with its offensive line it's impacted the performance of Tank Bigsby, who y'all know most of us I would say we all think yeah Tank's a good player um you know a lot like him as a player but man, they've had a hard time getting him going here this year just because they're not blocking people very well right now. I mean, just say that out loud. Do you want to play Georgia's front seven if you're having a hard time blocking people? If you're having a hard time blocking the ones you have played, <laughs> I mean, when you go from, oh boy, this Georgia State defensive front's giving us an issue to now we're playing this Georgia defensive front. I mean, sometimes college football really is just that simple. So overall, I don't expect this game to be very close, but. I'm also one of these guys that I've always got to have the thing in my mind that makes the game closer than it needs to be, right? I've always got to have that doom and gloom scenario at least handy just to kind of keep me comfortable to make sure I've at least considered it. It's dumb. It's superstitious. But you at least have to make sure you've given voice to the thing that could go wrong. And for me, that is, you know, does Auburn get a big play, right? Because, you know, frankly, there's there's a certain thing about – big plays that can just be luck, right? You max protect, you get a guy, you heave it, he catches it. It's sort of like, you know, the guy that closes his eyes and swings for the fences every now and then you are going to make contact, you know, you know, let's say Auburn closes its eyes, swings for the fences. It does make the big play, you know, that can make a game a little closer or let's say maybe more likely here that Georgia somehow has the miscue that Georgia somehow has the turnover that invites the crowd into the game. Even though I would say my confidence level as a Georgia fan about Georgia's pretty high, I, I still have to at least at arm's length have the, ooh, here's what could go wrong, and that's it for me. It's the, it's the idea that a Georgia mistake or the idea that a, that, a, that an Auburn kind of flukish big play you know, kind of brings this game a little closer, so suddenly the fans get involved. All of a sudden now you're asking a Georgia team that's been kind of coasting on easy street for a month, all of a sudden now you're asking them to make big plays and a pressure situation, which in a roundabout way might not be the worst thing to do for your, for your scar tissue for, for later on in the year but you're asking them to kind of do that there in that spot. I'm at least considering all of that. By the way, speaking of Georgia-Auburn, it's fun to get ready to watch these two teams compete on the field. It's also been very fun over the course of the last few days to watch the competition between the two alumni associations when it comes to raising money to support their institutions. Obviously, Georgia fans love the idea of supporting the University of Georgia, the UGA Alumni Association, and we tell you about them on our show all the time about the great ways in which they're getting folks involved with that, including Beat Week right now. Now, if you go to the top of the page of Dog Nation, how about this? How about the route being on? Uh, This is the score from the website. So it's a really cool thing. If you go there to dognation.com, you can click the Give to Georgia, or if you want to, I guess you can click the Give to Auburn, although our encouragement is that you click the Give to Georgia part of this, and it's keeping track of the total number of donors. This is a really clever thing. Both alumni associations doing kind of a cool thing on this. It's also – Really easy to access there at dognation.com. Just click on it, make your donation. How about for those of you not watching on a video, 1,310 donors thus far to UGA, just 765 there to Auburn. So uh, a little less than a two to one margin there on that. Boy, that's exciting to think about. Big margin hoped for on Saturday on the field. A nice big margin there when it comes to the two alumni associations. Well, really good stuff. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Our right, SEC through time here for a moment. So I think this is really interesting. So Georgia is proving itself to be just a monster TV draw. Gigantic ratings for the, the uh, Georgia Clemson game, as you might expect. The Georgia-South Carolina game got really big ratings there as well. It's just really interesting how big of a TV entity Georgia is. And the latest example of that was ESPN's College Game Day on Saturday. Overall, the ratings for this past weekend college football were not what they once been had been earlier this 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 season almost makes you wonder was the Alabama Ole Miss rating on CBS a little bit of a disappointment there so this past weekend according to Sports Media Watch no game cracked five million uh for the first time this season and if you kind of want to know the politics behind Georgia Arkansas possibly being at noon the Fox big noon kickoff has actually been getting pretty good ratings there um you know the Big Ten schools have big alumni bases things like that so they've had a little bit of a winning streak. The uh, Fox number actually beat the Georgia-Arkansas number last week, but the noon game for Georgia on ESPN last week was the highest-rated noon game on ESPN in the last five years. So Fox has built something kind of big when it comes to the noon market overall. Uh, Georgia-Arkansas got the highest-rated noon audience in five years. And get this, according to ESPN's PR folks, there were 2,155,000 folks that tuned into Saturday's Uh, game of ESPN's college game day making it the most viewed show for game day in the month of October since the show expanded back to a three-hour format in 2010 so Georgia got a historically high college game day number last week when it was really only playing I don't mean to disparage but only playing Arkansas an opponent though highly ranked last week not necessarily a big national brand the way that an Alabama or maybe a Florida might would have been there in that spot, that a lot of this was generated by Georgia itself. I'm not really sure what that means necessarily, but if you're looking for, hey, you know, reasons to kind of tout Georgia as one of the biggest brands in the sport, I mean, this obviously is evidence of that. And think about like a Notre Dame or somebody like that in the past, that its main recruiting pitch was, hey, come here, we'll put you on national TV. We're on on NBC. You can come here and be on national television. We have our own network. Listen, Georgia's going to be on CBS this week, CBS the following week, CBS the week after that. When it comes to big TV windows, Georgia's not taking a backseat to anybody. A lot of folks complained about the noon start last week, but it was actually at noon because of the ability to showcase Georgia in a highly ranked game on the big network. People don't care about cable clearance, but ESPN just got way more clearance nationally than the SEC network does. Boy, I think when you start thinking about where Georgia ranks in all of this, uh, those numbers suggest that the brand health for Georgia is uh, really pretty strong right now all the way around. So where Florida quarterback Emory Jones on the heels of losing Kentucky this past Saturday said something effective. Oh, it's not the end of the world, you know, uh, essentially trying to insinuate that their goal still intact. On the one hand, this is a tough spot to be in, right? Because. What do you really say once you've lost twice and your chances of winning the SEC East are all but done? So there's no easy way to answer this question. But man, when you read the text of the quote, and admittedly, I didn't watch the video on this. I just saw the text of the quote. But when you look at the text of the quote, it kind of comes across as a little bit more of that kind of nonchalance. Sometimes we get from the Florida side that, Boy, I don't know, man. That's just a different kind of program. It is just a different kind of program all the way around. So a little bit of a shrug from Jones after the loss to Kentucky. At least it seemed to be that way. But then on the other side, you got Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach, who's now saying, hey, why not Kentucky? I mean, keep this in mind here. Kentucky's now 5-0. and And I'd say their 4-0 and was a little bit uh, questionable. I thought they were a little bit suspect in the way they earned those first four wins. They weren't suspect by beating Florida last week. That's a real legitimate performance there by the Kentucky Wildcats. They are now 5-0. They've got Georgia looming two weeks from now and what is going to be CBS, 330, Kentucky solidly in the top 20. And you've got Mark Stoops saying, hey, why couldn't it be us? Why couldn't we be the one that wins the SEC East? I sort of get the impression that Kentucky game in a couple weeks is going to be a pretty big one there for Georgia. And who knows what Georgia's health status looks like then, JT Daniels included. But all of a sudden, Kentucky, who I realize that most Georgia fans don't take all that seriously, and I don't want to oversell the nature of the Wildcats either. Their their first four games this season were kind of meh, including the Chattanooga game and, you know, what they did against, you know, Missouri and some of that kind of stuff. You kind of left to wonder, you know, how much they really prove there in that spot. But as of now, they would say, given the fact they've been winning these SEC games, that they're in the driver's seat for the SEC East. And <laughs> they would say the road to the SEC East goes through them. So In a couple of weeks, that will be what Georgia is tasked with doing, going through the Kentucky Wildcats. We will see that then at that point in time. And then finally this. So if you want to know how things are going for Ed Orgeron LSU, you've got national writers like Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports already making their list of the names that Scott Woodward, the A&M athletic director, will target in the event that Orgeron with, you know, when he gets fired, if he gets fired, however you want to kind of describe all of that, and obviously as we've said before Jimbo Fisher would be a name on that list. That's been a guy that LSU and Fisher they've kind of flirted with each other before. He makes a lot of money. He's not the easiest sell right now because the fact of the matter is A and M is not really winning games here at this point in time. But he is on a list like this. You also see a guy like Lane Kiffin apparently show up on a list like this, at least according to Pete the there as well. Big names being considered there for that job. Uh, I said, you know, I think you are going to think about Joe Brady, the current Panthers offensive coordinator, if you get to that point in time. But you're already starting to see a list form of who could be a replacement for Ed Orseron at LSU. That's how far down the road. We've kind of gotten on all of that, and for now, we'll make that your SEC through. And uh, here on Dog Nation Daily, I also want to give a shout-out to my friends at the Finish Long Drink. You know, it looks like a beer because it comes in a can, but it's not a beer. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. What that means is for those of you that enjoy the great flavor that a mixed drink provides, maybe kind of a citrus flavor with kind of a hard liquor kick, a gin kick, that's what the finished long drink can be. But you don't have to spend all much time mixing and stirring. and You don't have to be a professional mixologist to uh, create this. You can just simply pop the top. You can drink it out of the can. You can pour it into a glass and drink it over ice like a cocktail. You can really do with it whatever you want. There are four different varieties. My wife loves the cranberry. A lot of you do there as well. Some of you, I also hear about the long drink strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume. comes in the black can. I kind of like the long drink traditional. It's kind of a nice grapefruit flavor that kind of goes well for me, especially when you're outside this time of year. Beautiful. The weather, although it's pouring down rain the last couple of days, but uh, generally speaking, uh, nice weather this time of year. Fun to be outside and yourself some Finnish long drink. Somebody told me on Twitter the other day they thought I had been saying the Finnish lawn drink A L W N. I told him, well, it does taste good when I'm out in my yard, but it's not the lawn drink. It's the long drink L O N G. I guess that's a sign that I need to enunciate a little bit more. Uh, the Finnish long drink. Uh, is uh, really, really good stuff. Coming from Finland from the 1950s, originated right there in Helsinki, been in America now for a little while, also now in Georgia or wherever you are, thelongdrink.com to find out more about that, thelongdrink.com, and you can get yourself some finished long drink today. All right, I thought this was funny. So we'll turn our attention now to the Deep South's oldest rivalry for our golden shoe today, and obviously Bo Nix has reemerged as the Auburn starting quarterback after the... Kind of magic show act he put on at lsu last week well somebody sent me a video of a very simple way of kind of describing what may happen to bo nicks on saturday Look, can we show the video here i think it's pretty funny it's kind of like one of those kung fu deals with the guy is just like kicking the one guy between the legs over and over again and what uh brad says is uh this is turtle 0414 on twitter this is how bo nicks gonna feel after saturday just getting kicked over and over again <laughs> That's a very strange video. <laughs> I don't quite understand that video, but uh, it is pretty funny to think uh, that could be what it's going to feel like to be Bo Nicks on Saturday. Pretty good stuff. All right. Uh, Gator Hater Countdown. That game looms here in a couple weeks there as well. Another big rivalry game for the Dogs. That is, what is it? 20, how many days? 24 days from now. Dogs get some revenge against Florida. You better believe we take that seriously. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily. And on the podcast, time off the RS Andrews podcast, cool down. We'll take some of your comments, whether you come at Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at DogNation.com. Got a lot yesterday on what the Auburn reporter, Philip Marshall, had said about his concern that Auburn might have the score run up on them by Georgia. Let me start with uh, Lauren, what you got, who says, I said something similar on the forum thread about Auburn score predictions. UGA could have really run up the score on Arkansas. And the more I think about it, this may be one of the reasons why we. Ran the ball versus having explosive plays. As a fan who attended his first game at Sanford Stadium, I wanted to see some big plays, but I left happy nonetheless. As I said in my forum post, Auburn will receive no such mercy. I was reluctant to predict a shutout of the Hogs, but our defense proved up to the task, and I think N'Kobe, Channing, and Nolan are licking their chops to get after Bo Nix. I hadn't forgotten all—I uh, hadn't forgotten all about Tyler Fromm being the tight end for Auburn. As much as I like Jake, I hope we can shut Tyler down. I hope our offense embarrasses Popo, and our defense shows what a real defense is all about. And I think the Tank Bixby's body is dreading the beating it's going to get, he says, no matter how much uh, we score and shut them down, it won't be enough payback for Malzon's dog crap comment. I want Auburn to be playing, uh, paying for that for years. Oh, and Jordan Dave is going to help those uh, Barners learn to correctly pronounce the name of their stadium. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. I didn't even think about that. Uh, you know, the Jordan-Hare Stadium named for their former coach, Shug Jordan, uh, but obviously, it's spelled J-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan Davis, with the correct pronunciation. That's pretty good from Lauren, what you got. And I think the issue here is, is that over the years, and I tried to highlight some of this yesterday, over the years, we've been given plenty of reason to believe that Kirby Smart does feel differently about you know historic rivals like Auburn more so than just average run-of-the-mill SEC teams. Not even the ones that have a good friend as head coach, but, but just the general SEC team Kirby, as a Georgia alumnus, knows who his rivals are. And I do think that probably matters. Smart's the man, writes in, to say, Auburn doesn't need to worry about Kirby running the score up. When does a Kirby team ever uh, run any score up? No, Kirby wants to run the score down. Kirby wants to take the will to fight out of the opposing offense. Kirby wants to destroy your offense, and he's the defense to do it. I mean, I I think that if beating a top-10 team last week in Arkansas 37 to nothing, like, if that doesn't satisfy your – taste for blood and I'm not being funny I'm being serious like if that leaves you underwhelmed then I think I think you've got to recalibrate your expectations you know for most teams that's a level of dominant performance that's that's unlike anything they could ever hope to be able to do And I think that's what Georgia did last week I'm also of the belief of this like a lot of people kind of talk about well you know Kirby doesn't you know keep the foot on the gas late in the game but if you look at like how most blowouts really happen this is not what a prediction for the Georgia Auburn game this is just a discussion about blowouts in general most blowouts don't happen think about Alabama some of the teams that they've just laid waste to the last couple of years it's not because Alabama scoring 50 points in the fourth quarter to get those games where they are it's because you do so much early that that you're overwhelming your opponent early in the game the teams that really get blowouts like as big a blowout as you want to think about here for a moment the the teams that really get those don't go out and get them because they seek them they go out and get them because they're so good they can't be avoided and and that's really how blowouts occur and when you see Georgia 60 whatever to nothing against Vanderbilt or 56 to whatever against UAB or you know whatever you want to get to here you know the blowouts that Georgia has gotten the month of September came not because Georgia tried to go out and get them but because they were so good that a blowout was just an unavoidable byproduct of the game class of 98 writes in to say it's a bad look not to mention bad mojo to spend time debating if kirby will run up the score on someone especially a four and one top 20 team on the road pride goeth before the fall let's ponder something else instead uh vet dog writes in to say let's leave the rat poison outside so a similar point of view here let's talk about how deep the standard during the game it's going to be a harder fought game than some may think Bo was johnny football last saturday in death valley and i've kind of agree with that i was pretty entertained by what nicks did against lsu he says he did something that's been decades since the dogs have done which is beat lsu and baton rouge let's not take that lightly so i understand where both the commenters are coming from here of respect for your opponent and i get that and obviously that's the kind of thing that exists in the back of my mind there as well but if you're georgia and you're trying to keep pace with alabama if you're trying to keep the gap between you and everybody else in the country the size that it is right now, and I think you should be trying to do that, then I do think you seek more than just a win. Now Kirby Smart can't come out and say that. But, you know, while you're playing a rival and a top twenty team on the road, that's all true. But if George wins the game twenty to seventeen, that's gonna be a little bit of a disappointment. It's gonna be a little bit of a signal that, oh, well maybe Georgia's not quite yet where we think they need to be. But for a Georgia team that's been riding high for the last month, now take it on the road, take that show on the road, and replicate the same kind of success now against a historic nemesis in a tough environment where the crowd wants to be loud. I mean, don't just think about what you can lose in terms of, well, hey, you know, maybe Georgia gets tested by, by Auburn. Also think about what you have a chance to gain. Think about what you have a chance to gain, what you can prove by winning in dominant fashion. That's the kind of thing that I think you should also have in your mind. And if it doesn't occur, yes, be disappointed. And Auburn fans will obviously love the idea of being overlooked by UGA and taken lightly, and that clearly gives them fodder to say whatever if the game goes in another direction. But that being said, I mean, that's just the nature of the SEC, that this is not just about what Georgia needs to try to avoid going to Auburn. It's also about seeking what it can gain, which is sending a clear message as we saw in today's show that it is heads and shoulders above anybody else in college football. A dominant road win goes a long way towards proving that, especially if you do it with your backup quarterback. But good comments today as part of our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Y'all make sure you check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll take good care of you. They'll show up on time. and They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. Find R.S. Andrews online today. And don't forget to check out R.S. Andrews on Friday as a part of Go With The Flow with our buddy, Dari Payrow here on the Dog Nation video channels. We make our picks for the big games of the week. We will do that then. And we'll see you back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily. Look forward to talking to you then, everybody.